Are you one of the 88% of the population who are metabolically dysfunctional? Do you even know? In 2013, my world turned upside down when I was given a terminal diagnosis. My kids were age five and seven. I was terrified. My doctors described me as being metabolically bankrupt and I was given three years to live. With the aid of medical intervention and experimental off-label treatments, I achieved clinical remission, but I was still really sick. Today, I am in the best shape of my life, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Join me here with guest experts as we share how to take control of your health and discover the shocking truth behind the growing endemic of metabolic dysfunction and other deadly lifestyle diseases of modern civilization. I'm your host, Coach Ingrid Uncensored, and this is the Holistic Health Coach Podcast. Hi, friends. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's podcast episode of the Holistic Health Coach with me, your host, Coach Ingrid Uncensored. Today, I wanted to issue a trigger warning for this particular episode. We are discussing uh, certain aspects of domestic violence and uh, abuse within a marriage, discussing the health of marriage. And as such, this may be a very sensitive subject to you. So if that is the case, please do heed my trigger warning. Um, And if you don't feel up to listening to it, that's totally, totally fine. Thank you all for your support. And let's get on with this week's episode. I hope you have a fantastic week. Welcome to another exciting and scintillating episode of the Holistic Health Coach with me, your host, Coaching for an Uncensored. Thank you so much for listening today. I am excited to welcome my special guest, Laura Swan. Laura, welcome. Hi there. Happy to be here. Thank you for taking the time. Friends, let me tell you all about Laura. Laura Mm -hmm. is a mental health clinician and published author who lives in San Jose, California. Laura works in a local middle school and she does see clients in the evenings as well. She is a certified autism specialist and also has trainings in other modalities. She has a lot of experience helping women through tough divorces and her alter ego is the divorce doula. Laura's mission is to provide women with mental health strategies to survive the court and divorce process so that they can focus on creating their best self in life after divorce. Laura, thank you so much for spending some time with us today and imparting your wisdom and many, many years of experience in this. You're very welcome. And let's just say I kind of, you were my kind of my first one. Yeah, there we go. Thank you. So, Laura, I'd like to start off my uh, podcast interviews by throwing a question at you. It's the same question for everyone. My mantra is that something that I think Mel Robbins first coined this phrase, but she probably wasn't the first. That is, you are one decision away from a completely different life. And that's Absolutely. certainly true when it comes to deciding to separate and divorce from your spouse. 
Laura, what was that one life-altering decision that you made and how did it lead to where you are now? Mine was really to go back to graduate school in the midst of a very high-conflict divorce, uh, custody evaluations, trials, you name it. I hit every bingo on the bingo card with it. Um, so I went back to graduate school without telling the ex because this was something I loved, I wanted to do, and I felt I needed to do it. And so I did it despite all the chaos. And yeah, it has changed my life because now I have this new wonderful career. I'm working with people, I'm helping people. And in the schools, I'm helping our future leaders. Yeah. And that's what's important. And mental health, mental health challenges in middle school are really, really prominent. And, you know, I just want to help, especially the girls. What are you seeing? What, what's the trends that you're seeing with our preteens and teens? Because I know, you know, as a mom of teenagers, especially during the lockdown and the pandemic, it, our kids are not okay. What, what are they the are, trends that you're seeing? I'm seeing a lot of anxiety, which manifests in right to the point of school avoidance and school refusal. Yeah. And in the classrooms, people having meltdowns or just crying and shutting down. Um, there's another lot of heavy trauma because some people were stuck at home with families that were not healthy. Sadly, a lot, especially my girls that I see currently, um, have horrible home lives. There's a lot of domestic violence they're witnessing. And they just feel that that's their own way to go. Right. So... I'll share one little story. This Please. one gal telling me, you know, her dad's been to jail at least twice for beating up mom. He then robbed a, a drugstore and I had to go for a more, few more years. Mom moved on, married another abuser. And she's like, is that what I've got to look forward to? And I oh. said, no, you do not need to do this. You can take control over your mental health to help your emotions be in the place you want to pursue your education, to pursue a career. And she just looked at me and she's like, yes, but, you know, these domestic violence, this, these women that are abused, they just can't do anything. They don't do anything. And I just went, stop right there, my friend. This lovely 12-year-old practically fell out of her chair. And she said, what do abused women go on to do? And I said, what do you think I'm doing? Yeah. And she looked at me and she's like, but you're white. And I'm like, sorry, domestic violence has no color, creed, age, anything. No. And she just was stunned. She goes, you were abused. Did he hit you? Yes. Did he rape you? Yes. You know, she went down everything she's seen. She's got the, bu the bucket list. And I said, yes, I left that. I said, and then he dragged me through courts and caused hell. Didn't want to tell her any more than that. Now she's totally empowered. Yeah. She's starting to work on she can change her future and she can be in control of her future. And so if I hadn't made my one decision to go back when I to school in the midst of chaos, I wouldn't be doing this now. And I really want to help these, especially the girls, to move forward. And COVID did a right number on these it, kiddos. It did. And and going back to what you said before, Laura, is that, you know, the, the kids who were locked up at home and here in California, of course, we locked down for two years. We locked down hard, way more than other states and even other places within California opened up a lot sooner. But you talk about how the kids were 
they were kind of stuck at home when their home life was terrible. Well, that kind of leads to my next question is what does that, how does that reflect on, on the relationships that their parents have? Because I know it's like all of a sudden we're locked up together with our spouse that we have to spend 24 seven with them. And then for many of us, me included, it's like, oh my God, well, we're together 24 seven. And, and so this has got to have an impact on our kids, but also what does this tell you about the health of marriages overall? Well, my one, I always joke that if I ha had, I still been in that horrible marriage with that horrible person during COVID, somebody would have left the house feet first. There's no way. There's no way. But aside from that, what I'm really seeing is my divorce, all divorce attorneys will tell you in 2022 was their highest year for filings of divorce. Why? Because people who are stuck together suddenly realize they don't like each other. Yeah. They have nothing in common. And they just, it, it's burnt out. It's burnt out. And also the idea of spending that much time with one person. If you weren't well, able to. When you are like, you're stuck at home. And particularly, I'm thinking particularly of uh, the silver heads, the gray heads. And I know that. Um, this has become somewhat of a phenomenon, hasn't it? Yes. The, according to AARP, um, now I was just reading this the other day. It's really, really interesting. The gray heads or the silver haired divorces, me including, I, you know, best thing that came out of COVID for me was I had to stop dyeing my hair. You did a wacky haircut at one point, girl. Well, I did. I shaved my head. I shaved my head because it was a pixie cut anyway, but it's like, the silver head, and it's just really interesting. Um, where is it here? I've actually got um, a statistic here that, oh, okay, so women initiate divorce more often than men on average, um, mm -hmm. and that it's actually the studies have shown that nearly 70% of divorces are initiated by women. Um, and then going back to the, I'm just trying to find this, here we go, um, ARP um, define Divorces in, involving individuals 50 years and older, um, that's actually almost 40% of all divorces, which are initiated mostly by women. And so, of course, we're of this, you know, this generation where we now have teenagers, preteens, teenagers, and these are your clientele. So tell me what, let's unwrap some of this. Tell me what your thoughts are on all of this. The silver gray haired divorces, the fact that most women initiate it. What is going on here? What the fuck is happening? I think really what's going on. I mean, I just can't imagine if I'd been stuck 24 seven with him, a divorce would have been a definite. I think more physical harm would have happened. But I think a lot of people suddenly realize, I don't like you. I don't love you. And if you've all, if you've been living separate lives for whatever reason, and some days maybe dating outside of the marriage, or oh sorry, that's having an affair, having an affair, ethically non-monogamous. You should see Tinder. Um, that's another topic. Um, and so then it just come, it just blew up because she meant it was too much, and everybody's kind of stuck in these positions, and nobody was talking because everybody's yeah. on their screens. Well, and I, I think this is a phenomenon. Yeah, we're, we're so distracted by by what's on the, the, the iPad or TV or the phones. We're constantly sitting there. It's a distraction. And 
there was one therapist that I was following and he said, well, for couples who sit there and watch TV or sit on their phones, that's the lowest form of intimacy that you can possibly achieve. Uh, so there's all really. these distractions, but do you think they're just a distraction and a deflection from actually sitting down and having that hard, hard conversation? Because you talked about how we lead separate lives. It's like you've got mom who sometimes has a career outside the home, but then she has to come home and do all of the things with all of the kids and run the household and run the kids while dad goes to work and then comes home and has a beer and puts his feet up. I mean, it's a cliche, but it's a cliche because it's true. Tell me, yeah. tell me about that. Oh yeah, that's definitely happening because I think a lot of women realized during COVID, I am doing too anything much. I cannot cope. And they're feeling like a single parent anyway. So yes. transition to divorce isn't that hard because they're like, you know, we haven't had sex in so many years. We're in, you know, there's no intimacy. And Sleep in separate bedrooms. You never go on vacation right. together. No date nights, let alone an equal share of the, the workload within the home. I, I was a stay-at-home mom for 18 years. 18 yeah. years. I mean, it's, it's just never, ever ends. And I remember, especially when the kids were little and I spoke to so many other mums like this, it's like, you know, you're texting your, your husband and say, oh, well, when are you going to be home? Oh, I'll be home at six o'clock. It's five after six and we're climbing the walls. Oh, where are I? Oh, I'm still at work. I got held up. And, and it's like, by the time they walk in the door, it's like, I know for me and I know for so many other women, we're just like tearing our hair out and like, can you please help? And, that, and it's like, it's not even helping. It's like, oh, can you help me? Can you babysit our children? No, it's called parenting. And it's like, yeah. why hasn't there been a clear division? I mean, what do they think we do all day? Oh, well, that's right. watching, watching soap operas and eating bonbons. No, it's Remember the wiggles? <laughs> oh, my God. It's such yeah. an unfair division of labor. And also what was happening with the, for the, like speaking to the more of what they call the gold or silver divorces, being stuck in 24, you know, 24 hours a day with somebody. I was just like, I don't know this person anymore. I'm not attracted mm -hmm. to this person anymore. Do I really want to spend the rest of my life with them? And because when you retire, you go to this phenomenon of being 24 seven oh. with somebody. Well, right. I mean, you're an empty nester. Your kids are gone. And I know for me as a, a woman and as a mom, it's like I lost myself in being a mom. I did all of the mom things from homeschooling and PTA president and all of the sports and all of the things that, you know, running from running the playgroups just to all of the things. I just, I, I kind of lost myself in it all. Um, and I, I really never had a partner who was, you know, completely willing to step up and and take on their share. And I just kind of let it slide while well, he's out there working and traveling and earning the big bucks in Silicon Valley. And I'm like, I kind of, it almost felt like I almost felt guilty when I would say, can I have some help? Or and I've talked to so me. many women who do that. Yeah. And I mean, I totally relate. I mean, but then my ex became weird and he just over obsessed about the child to the point where he would and look at the adult in the car to, Right. To check my mileage. But it, it was, you know, even with somebody less impressive or less obsessive and everything about things, it, it just, people were, they just burnt out. If you think about it yeah. normally in a relationship, how many hours a day do you actually spend with them? Well, COVID, some people got five years worth of the days stuck in two years. And yes. then they'd be like, I don't like you. I'm not attracted to you. 
or there's mental abuse or emotional abuse or exactly or emotional abuse or gaslighting or you know the the criticism and the you know they they it's like they see you in everyday life but they have no real understanding of what what out what certainly for me what my everyday life was what it entailed mm -hmm. and it it's just Oh, it was just so damaging in so many ways that that I've talked to so many other women who are like this. It's like they're so frustrated because now their partner or their spouse is at home instead of being at work. And it's kind of almost they're getting in the way. They're getting in the way. They've kind of come and disrupt everything because we have our routine down, especially when it comes to the kids and, you know, sports, mm -hmm. youth sports and you know, all of the different, you know, other volunteer activities with the children and all of those things. And all of a sudden they're, for me, and I talk to a lot of women like this, they're home all the time. And then they kind of have an expectation. Oh, it's lunchtime. What's for lunch? I don't know. Take a look at the, you know what I mean? It's, the, it's like, you're not another child. I have two children. You're not my third child, you know, and it's still, it's still there, there, but there's still no, there's no meeting in the middle of the shoes. He's going to help around the house. And I, I see this a lot. And I belong to a number of, of different groups on social media for, you know, women in their fifties, over 50 yeah. going through a divorce. And it's just, there, there are, there are two camps. The first camp is, you know, it's like the cliche, you know, midlife crisis runs off with their secretary or whatever, 20 years younger. And it's just like such a blow. And it's like, I gave 30 years to this. I raised all the children and now see you later. But then there's the other camp of these women, this 70% of women who are filing for divorce and the, the rise in that gray or silver haired divorces. It's like the women are like, you know, mm, fuck this, not shit. This is the explicit episode. It's like, yeah, they're saying, this is not okay. I have put all of my time and energy into raising our family. And now it's like, yeah. We're different people. We are different people. And there's this, um, <laughs> I've heard a lot of people refer to themselves like me as I was a single wife, a single yeah, wife. We're, we're doing were. all of the things, but here's the thing, Laura, for me, I realized I let it happen. Why did I let it happen, Laura? Why did I let it happen? Why did so many women let it happen? So the biggest analogy I have for that is called the frog in the pot. You ah. put a frog in cold water and then, but you stick the stove and get it hotter and hotter and hotter, it'll boil and it'll die. If you're trying to put that frog in boiling water, it's just like, hell no, I'm not. It's going to jump out. So what happens is, especially a lot of guys, once they get you in, they've got the gotcha moments and they, they know they've got you. And by the way, the biggest gotcha is immigration. Because especially back in the early 2000s, spouses couldn't work. And that was my case. I couldn't work until we got our, um, our green card approved. And that took about five years. It should have taken three, but for whatever reason, it took five years. Mm -hmm. I have no idea what happened to mine, but I did it in 18 months. So I, oh, I think you probably had better lawyers. That's what my husband and company had. But yeah. I mean, I know from my experience, you know, the, just the sense of control, you you don't have a bank account, you don't not earning, you're so dependent on this person and it just becomes that way. And then you're trapped, you're trapped. Well, and, and it's, it's a different type of entrapment too, even though I was able to work because so many women I talked to, it's like, well, 
it's kind of old fashioned, but I've stayed home mom. I'm proud of being a stay at home mom for 18 years. That was bloody hard work. Let me tell you. I mean, you know, it's really, really, really hard. And especially if you've got tricky kids who are on the spectrum, um, that just kind of makes it even more as they're kind of, you know, as they start to get into grade school and hit, hit puberty and all of these neurodivergent things start to come out. It's just, it, that's a lot of being a stay at home mom. And I, I know from my own personal experience, but also many of the women that I talk to, it's that, that entrapment, you know, because yeah. we, we are dependent financially on our spouses, things like health insurance. That was a big one for me. I, I was, I had chronic illness. I, I it was really scary. And I'm like, well, what's going to happen to me if I don't have his insurance? And these are yeah. scary nice. realities that it's like, well, what's going to happen? Like, how can I go back into the workforce after being a stay at home mom? For 18 years, what can I expect in terms of career? So I'm sure these are all things that you deal with, Laura, as you, as your new alter ego, the divorce doula, help women with. What are some of the things that you can, some of the strategies that you can help women with as they sort of plan their exit strategy and as they take those first steps into the divorce process? What have you got? So if you but the biggest one is use that debit card. If your money, if you don't have a separate account for yourself, get one and it's a hidden account. Squirrel as much away as you can. If that's not possible, the other one is the good old fashioned. Use the debit card at Target. So if it comes up as 200, you take 250, pocket the 50, keep it in a sock somewhere. He's not going to find, or actually, Good one is the back of the tampon box. Yeah, keep, keep your spare cash in the tampon box. They're not going to, nobody's going to go there. So start squirreling as much as you can. And then finding out, you know, where are you financially? What is going on? As, See, you know, I had no much, clue. I had yeah. no clue. And so many other women I talked to, it's part of the, it's part of the disempowerment. And it's kind of almost yep. like a really subtle form of gaslighting. It's that I'm not going to share. It's like, oh, you know, it's like, can you, can you not spend so much on the credit card? I need to pay the credit card down. And it's like, well, can we go to Hawaii this summer? It's like, mm, you know, it's like they're kind of like not really be, it's like, here, sign the tax return. And, and I know yes. me, like so many other people, just sign the tax return, don't read the fine print. And so it's kind of a really sort of covert form of gaslighting almost in a way is not being sort of upfront and transparent about the money. And I'm like, well, what do I need to worry about it for? I'm busy raising the kids. I'm just kind of trying yeah. to keep my head above water. And so there's that financial kind of dependency, which is really icky and scary for a lot it of is. women. And I had to go to court to get that allocated because yeah. Mr. was not willing to do anything. Although contrarily to that, he actually was putting money in my bank account so I could pay the mortgage. So I felt I had was dealing with a schizophrenic or somebody with a personality disorder majorly because he's saying one thing in court but doing the complete opposite is like whiplash between yeah. the two. And so to avoid that, I would say just, and also if your parents give you money, don't put it ever in a joint account. Make sure you have your own account. Keep it separate because you never know when you're going to need it. What My about parents emotional strategies? Emotional strategies are just find yourself a woman's group for empowerment. Those who are local to San Jose, I highly recommend Next Door Solutions. It, I know that it sounds like some people are like, oh, but it's not domestic violence. No, their group mm -hmm. is focusing on relationships and how to have positive relationships, discover strategies that work. 
because how do you deal with somebody you know who's yelling and screaming and your safety may be you think also then just knowing at which point are you going to call it quits and be safe right the other one is if you do have a safety issue physically make sure you have a run a bag that's ready to run a go bag a go bag is good clothes and it has to have cash in it because you don't want to use a credit card and be found I had my go bag because, you know, at the beginning, I may or may not have um, kind of been off the grid so I could stay longer with my son. But, you know, a lot of thinking. And also, if you can, get yourself either in a, uh, one of these groups such as next door. And if you can find a therapist, a lot of therapists will do sliding scale for you. If not, there's places like Alam Rock Counseling Center or Almaden Valley Counseling Center. Yes, you get the newbies to therapy, but at least you're getting support. Yeah. And I would say anyone going through a divorce, you have to have a therapist. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I mean, it's between, you know, uh, therapy and then, you know, with my psychiatrist to really be able to plan that exit strategy and and sort of know going in. Now, not everyone has that luxury. Not everyone has that luxury. But um, what advice would you give to um to women out there who are already in this process they've already gone they've already you know done the separation they've already sort of maybe filed or something what advice do you have what strategies can you give them to help them with this emotional right particularly when there's teenagers involved because that's your area of expertise too, is, is, is yeah. preteens and teens, particularly tricky kids. So I would say, mom, you've got to get your self-care right up there. And it's got to be a priority. Because if do you not, think, Do you think that's how, sort of part of the reason how we get kind of stuck in this endless cycle is because we don't put ourselves first? Absolutely. We, we become codependent because we're not putting our needs in any equation. It's a codependency thing. We stop. We don't want to say to the grumpy husband, well, what about me? Because that never happens. What if I want to go and do something? That's the thing. And But when you're going through a divorce, you've got the trauma. Self-care, absolutely. Make sure you've got a good circle of friends that you can lean on. Get professional help. And I hate, you know, amazing. We're get find that support group because it's other people who are going through it. And sometimes it is good to hear from somebody who's further on. You may even find somebody who inspires you to to do something. Right. I mean, I saw one woman who had lost her son in the various custody and went through years of it. And then she trained and became a midwife. And that really inspired me. So that's what, you know, she inspired me. And that's part of the reason why I pushed forward to go through and become a therapist. But a lot of... It is, and the other big misnomer is family court is not a court. What is family, it? Family court is the Wild West. You Ooh. have no idea. It's all at the whim of a judge. Doesn't matter what the law says, and there is no liberty and justice for all. So if you can get away with mediation, it may that's look, ideal. Exactly, because yes, sometimes you get lowballed on stuff. But that's better than being dragged through the court. My ex chose to drag me through the court. I've had five custody evaluations, three financial trials, three trials on custody personally. And, 
you know, if something's going that way and people would say, your lawyer needs to do this, you need to do that. And I'm like, it's not, it's beyond my control. And that's a big one also for women as we go through this process is realizing you've got these people making decisions over your life and your family and you have no control. And that is bloody scary. Because you've already uh, left the situation that you felt like you had no control over. So you have to change. That's that one decision to change your life. It's like you've already gotten out of that. It's is it kind of like a case of out of the out of the frying pan into the fire? Absolutely. Well, you've come to court a few times and you saw how hideous it was. And the other problem I really want to educate people on in family court, there is no burden of proof. So if somebody comes in and says, you're a drug addict, on, there is no onus on them to prove it. And they can grab their relatives, whatever, to write a note, even though they've hardly seen you. And that's here in California. It may differ from state to state, but it's here very, in California. It's very prevalent in Santa Clara County. Mm -hmm. And we have judges who just don't understand a stay-at-home mom and the bond that they have with the children. And so I, I really am saying that judges are not getting enough mental health education. Yeah. And they don't understand the nuances of domestic violence. And right. The because there's many that, levels of it. It's not just physical violence, is it? Bruises. And then the ultimate one is legal. And to me, from everything I have read, and I've read so much stuff on this, is if a divorce starts to go over five years, somebody has major mental illness. And then that seems excessive. Five years to go through a divorce seems excessive. It it just, just and somebody needs to shut it down. Now it's to be a, a judge. So there is now stuff being leaked that sometimes judges get a kickback from lawyers oh. to prolong the divorce. So they will rack up thousands, hundreds of thousands. Wow. The corruption is, and then once you get into the machine of family court, I had my first my first lawyer. Um, I had a coach. I had. Then it was, you know, the forensic accountant. We needed that because somebody oh. gave me a fake W-2. Yeah, he made his own W-2. Wow. wow. And yes, Google, if you're out there listening. Uh, <laughs> he did that. And you go through all of, you've got the all these big players. Well, they all cost a heck of a lot of money. So once you end up in that system, nobody is looking out for you. They're only looking out for their bottom line. And that, for me, was the hardest thing to realize. And for the other, my biggest advice to somebody going through it, it is a marathon. You don't know where you are and you don't know where the end is. And you have to prepare like a marathon. So at the beginning, you've got to give, you know, just be patient, get on with it, go to steady space. And until you're over that finish line, but even then it's a false finish line. I thought I was finished in 2021, but then in January, I've had to restart stuff. So you just don't know. And so what I would say to people is it's a marathon. You don't know where you are. So let's get you nice and fit mentally. Yeah. So that you can endure this marathon and you've got to be there for your kids. And it's horribly painful when you see that the kid is suffering by going to the other parent and the transitions and all these professionals sticking their noses in. 
But again, the only person you can control is you and how you parent. I also recommend if you're going through that to consult, maybe to get, do a parenting class. Yeah. Just because it does kind of help a little bit. I usually, I used to teach those, but I don't have time these days. <laughs> With but, all your busy schedule, plus your writing. Laura, yeah. tell us about your book. You've just published a book. Tell us That's, about a little bit about your book and just in a nutshell, what your chapter is about. So my chapter really is my journey through domestic violence, coming out from an abusive marriage, a cheating husband, family court nightmare. And this is a, my ex told me that he wanted me two ways, dead or living under the bridge. And he did everything in his power to have that. However, because I'm a stubborn little Scottish Norwegian girl and a Taurus, so you want stubborn, I'm, over, I'm extra in it. I dug my heels in. I've got my career. I'm going to be licensed before the end of the year. Mm -hmm. And he tried to stop all of this. And this talks about, you know, the pain, the suffering, the, and then the betrayals along the way. Because people, you have to change when you go through divorce. You will change. It doesn't matter. It's undeniable. I'm a different and person. I've had this. I've heard people say to me, you're not the same person you were back then. I'm like, how yeah, can that's I the not? Point. That's kind of the point. We so can I not change? It, that's I impossible. But then I get, I got that you're now being so selfish. And I'm like, no, I'm holding a boundary. And exactly. So you liked me as the codependent, beaten down mm -hmm. wife. Right. Always wearing black, by the way, if you remember. Yes. And I'm not, and I don't anymore. No. So it really... It's just, and it was interesting of the friends that stood up and stayed around versus those that just were like, back off. And the ultimate was somebody who said, you get awfully, along awfully well with my husband. I really don't think it's appropriate for you to come over for dinner anymore. Because I was Okay. Single. All so right, these, then. There's a lot of obstacles along the way. So I talk about this in my, my chapter. And, my, and then I also talk about the sad thing. The biggest casualty in my lovely almost 13-year divorce has been my son. Yeah. My ex has totally brainwashed him yeah. against me. My parental, son is yeah, parental alienation is it's horrendous. And I've experienced some of that too. It's they are. They they are a um they're kind of like the meat in the sandwich. Well, they're yeah, they're weaponized, they become a yeah. weapon. It's all about yeah. hurting the other spouse. Yep. And, you know, I have, I know I have in excess of 10 CPS reports against me because he just kept trying, kept trying, and his mother as well. They just kept trying to take him away from me. And then out of the blue, my son and I, we hadn't had a disagreement. He was acting weird that last weekend mm -hmm. and I couldn't figure out why. And I, I knew what was, and then Monday I got the papers. I mean, uh, sometimes it's collateral damage, but what are you supposed to do, Laura? I mean, this is kind of, this is just a, one of these, you know, rhetorical questions. What are you supposed to do? It's like, you have to save yourself first. I mean, this is what, I, you know, I talked at length about with my therapist and my psychiatrist, you have to save yourself first. And if the children or one of the children end up as collateral damage, what are you going to do? It's like, I, I don't think, I think I'm in the situation as you. I mean, I was already suffering from chronic illness. I don't know that I would have made it either. And I, I don't know what would have happened to my kids. So 
is really hard when you're dealing with kids, particularly, you know, te- I mean, it's hard enough with little kids, but then you've got teenagers approaching puberty and then you see what you see every day in the classroom and in school with these preteens and early teens just just having an array of, of neurodivergent issues and mental health issues and it's like our kids are not okay. Laura, where can, um, where can our listeners find your book? Uh, my book is on Amazon. Fabulous. We will put the link in yes. the show notes. The Bold it's Path. Called, what's it called? The Bold Path, Bold, B-O-L-D, Path, Unleashing Your Inner Courage. That is fantastic. We will make sure that we put a link in the comments so that our listeners can find you. Laura, have you got like 30 seconds of, of final words of wisdom and your commentary on the overall health of marriage, particularly for us silver-haired with teenagers? Give us a, a, a final word. You don't have to stay somewhere you're unhappy, being disrespected and being treated like a dish mop. You are wonderful, strong women. You don't need that. Yes, financially it's hard. But is it better to be broke and happy than rich and miserable? And what about the kids? Is it better to have divorced parents, but they're happy and living their own lives? Or are you better having them together and miserable? And then that interferes with their ability to have right. relationships. Right. What, so, kind of, what kind of role models are we being to our children to say this is, a, this is an acceptable way to spend your life with someone? That was, that was so a toughie for me. Like what and kind in of therapy, example? Yeah, and in therapy, what I would do is I help you work out which decision you're going to come to. Right. I'm not going to give you answers. As a therapist, I facilitate you right. so we can find what's best for you because, you know, as moms, a lot of time we don't put our needs first. We get we lost. We don't. We get lost as a, mm-hmm. as a mom. Yep. And for me, definitely it was the stepping back, stepping away, and then having to fight every single thing and I fought and I got it but the casualty is that he ultimately was able to turn my son against me and sadly even my parents and the worst part is my dad has Parkinson's he's having heart surgery on Friday and I am worried my dad will never see his grandson again son again yeah I mean it's I I worry about the same things I mean you know Again, the parental alienation it, it is collateral damage. But but once again, it's like if I could, could go back and, and do it all again, I mean, it's like what what choice did I have? And I talk to women every day. What choice did they have? It, it's, it, comes, it, it goes it comes back to, to usually that. You usually don't have a choice. Yeah. Right. It's like this, this is it. It's gone so bad where you have to get to that point where, I mean, this is my mantra. You are one decision away from a completely different life. And I look back now and I'm like, my life is unrecognizable. Have there been some really awful things along the way? Yes, but it is unrecognizable. I have taken my power back, just as you have, Laura. Um, I just want to thank you for taking the time today to share your experience. And, you know, to all of you, you know, ladies out there, you are not alone. You are not alone. It is frighteningly common. And I think a lot of women, particularly us, Xs and maybe even some late boomers are really starting to wake up and going, you know what? We don't have to put up with this shit. We can break that that familial pattern of dysfunction that, you know, our mothers and grandmothers all had to put up with this shit. 
But now here in 2023, we're going, you know what? We can and we will do better. And it's like we're saying, you know what? We are strong and powerful women. We can make that change and we can live a completely different life. So Laura, I wish you lots of success as you uh, complete getting your license and with your book. And we will definitely have a conversation again. I think I'll invite you back so that we Absolutely. can continue to, to, to talk about some of your other zones of genius, particularly in the area of, area of autism and neurodivergent kids and, and what we can do to support their mental and, and physical health as well. So, Laura, thank you so much. Thank you, friends, for tuning into this week's episode of The Holistic Health Coach with me, your host, Coaching Ingrid Uncensored. Tune in next week. And remember, let's say it again, Laura, together. You are one Only away from a completely different life. Nice. And boy, is it worth it. It is. Thank you. See you soon, girly. Bye. Thank you for joining me on this week's episode of the Holistic Health Coach podcast. If you enjoyed it and learned something new, please follow the show and submit a rating and review on iTunes. Visit my website to download a free DIY tool to kickstart your own health transformation. Until next time, remember, you are one decision away from a completely different life. What will yours be?